What's going on? Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Bear, the Conk Master. Um, great to be with you. Episode 257, is it? Yes. Wow. Can you believe it? It seems like much more. <laughs> but maybe it's because every now and then we skip a week, like we skipped last week because yes. both of our schedules wouldn't align. You had some things, I had some things. Lots going on. So Lots we're back. And I get to see you. Yes, it's great to see you. But to be clear, if we stuck to one episode a week, which I'm about five years worth of a show mm-hmm. at 257, but uh, we've actually been doing the show for seven, six or seven. Really? Yeah, years, which really? is a long time. That is a long time. Mm-hmm. It basically says we have nothing to do with our life. Apparently, or nothing better. Like we haven't figured that part out yet. The better? Yeah, nothing better than this. <clears throat> that's that's a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be with you today, whether you're listening on the podcast. I'm sure Show Mom is listening today as she's walking hey, somewhere. And uh, whether on the radio here, KLFT Radio in Acadiana. Great to be with you. Glad to be back. So yeah, what's been happening? Just enjoying the fall weather. A little mm-hmm. bit of rain. Mm-hmm. It's been great, you know? Loving my family, loving uh, Jesus. Yeah, so the great debate is when fall starts in October, which is really when it starts here. It's not September. It's certainly not August. Mm -hmm. But October is our first little taste of like a cool front coming in. And when we Mm -hmm. say cool front, it's like 60s. Yeah. Which is nice. Very nice. Because we were at like 100. So like that's a 40 degree difference. I'm really good at math. You are. Yeah. Um, so the great debate here in Louisiana is when do you cook your first gumbo? I mean, this is like a, this is like a common question. This is not like, right. People Mm -hmm. talk about this and there's a debate about when you should or could or would cook your first gumbo. Yeah. You and I disagree on this. Well, I, I oscillate now theory and practice are totally different for me. Because I'll tell you, when I cook my first gumbo, it's going to be deep winter when I finally get around to doing it. Okay. But when I thought about cooking a gumbo, mm-hmm. <clears throat> was was in October. Like, now I'm thinking, oh, some gumbo would be good. But I'm not going to actually cook it okay. until, like, December. Okay. Because we're more on the same page. A lot of people just gumbo year-round, but I can't. I got to have... It's got to get cold mm-hmm. because it's just gumbo weather. So, anyway, that's, yeah. that's the like, the, the question of the day. Well, and I have a new project this year because my wife and one of my daughters have been diagnosed with celiac disease, so they can't eat gluten. Mm. So I've got to learn how to make the best gluten-free gumbo, which sounds like that's impossible. They have gluten-free flour, and you could do it. <clears throat> I've done it before. You've done it, and mm-hmm. it comes out great? Yes. Because I got the gluten-free flour. Yes. It comes just, okay. Yeah. And you just do it exactly like you'd use yeah, regular just, flour. Just roll with it, man. That's what well, I look, thought. Look, the key to a good gumbo is the meat, right? That's and, true. And the seasoning. Right. Mainly the sausage, I think. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, making everyone hungry who's listening to the show today. Okay. Do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? I do have a have you seen. And it honestly, I'm being real vulnerable here. Oh, wow. With this have you seen? I can't wait. Because I can't think of a have you seen mm. that would hit more close to home. <clears throat> you know, I've never, I've never had a bear be vulnerable with me. Well, this is... Today it's happening. <laughs> so I didn't know this, but apparently in Alaska, you ever heard of Alaska? I have, yeah. They have an annual contest um, where they, I don't know how this happens, but they go out to a national park 
and they bear watch. Bear watch. They're looking for bears hmm. for a very specific bear. Hmm. And every year they crown this bear the fattest bear. Is it like Groundhog's Day? Kind of. But Alaska? But Alaska. The fattest bear in North America. Because apparently they, they have figured out that in Alaska they have the biggest bears, which I would agree. Or in America. I'm not going to argue with them on that. Yeah. And so when they find the fattest one from that forest or park, they're confident this is the fattest bear in America. And so uh, this happened. And uh, it was a mama grizzly bear. So how's he hit close to home for (sighs) you? The fat bear. (laughs) It hurts, man. It hurts. (laughs) I could see it on your face. I I really can. Dude, 1.3 million people voted for this bear really that it's the fat bear yeah apparently it's a big old deal it's like their bear festival but as part of it they <clears throat> crown the fattest bear I love that. now they're not all 1.3 million in alaska they watch they actually have a live stream so let people watch from all over to uh to be a part of it so what you're saying is if like you were actually there they might vote for you <sighs> be the, the fattest bear i think it's a lose-lose situation if i show up and i don't win <laughs> i feel sad but you if know, you do, because I want to win. But if I do win, good. I feel even sadder. Well, I can guarantee you this. I mean, I don't know much about bears. We have black bears in Louisiana, but mm-hmm. you don't see them much. Okay. And there's not a ton. The population isn't astronomical. Okay. But we do have them. Black bears, you know, are usually smaller mm-hmm. bears, right? I, I can just guarantee you this not knowing a ton about bears is you're probably not the fattest bear. Thank you, bud. Like when you take bears actual bears into like their thousand pound bears like if you were on the show my thousand pound life then i think you could earn the right to be the fattest bear Mm -hmm. but you're not i appreciate that man Mm -hmm. well they have 2200 brown bears in this particular uh area Mm -hmm. which is a lot and uh the locals know this bear and they call they call her the best fisherman in the uh because She's been spotted like just devouring fish at the, <laughs> like just by the handful. Great protein. Think of like a you know a big buffet and just yeah. rah, 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 rah. and um yeah so she's tubby. Well, the great you know the cool thing about bears is that they can eat and gain this weight and then they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they hibernate and then they just keep their weight on. I mean it's really kind of a cool thing. Like imagine if we did that as humans. It's like for months we just slept. I think we almost do that spiritually. I mean, think about the liturgical cycle, you know? That, that's very true. I mean, I have a friend every year. He says, man, I'm, I do so well during Lent, and the rest of the year I suck. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's something wrong with that. He's like, I know. I know there's something wrong with it. I just can't. It's like I hibernate mm-hmm. when it's not Lent mm-hmm. or Advent, right? Like these two sort of high seasons where we can enter in uh, that we sort of go to sleep, we sort of hibernate. Right? Yeah, and it doesn't work out well. Yeah. And speaking of Advent, dude, I uh, <clears throat> my book, Advent book, came out. I saw that. Fierce, right? Yeah, I got a copy for you. You're kidding. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, it's Fierce, an Advent devotional, Advent guide for men. Um, I'm, I'm pumped about this thing because it's my first like devotional. Mm-hmm. It's for men. And I know all the women are like, well, what about me? If you go to blessedisshe.net, they have a women's devotional called Found, and mine is called Fierce. Mm-hmm. So you can order it on my website, paulgeorge.la. 
get it for Advent, do it as a group, or on Blessed Is She, blessedisshe.net. But it's it it's really neat. I, I really like the you know when you see the final product or of a project that came out, you're like, wow, that actually happened. Well, and they're they're top notch designers as well as Blessed Is She. I mean, they know how to put a package together and make it look great. And um, so I saw the book, at least a picture of it. I can't well, wait to hold I it in my hands. I have a copy right for now. You. Well, it's in my vehicle. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah, all right. I'm going to give you I can't wait to see it. a Hold copy it. of Fierce. So all the men that are fat bears asleep spiritually right now, it's time to wake up for Advent and yeah, get a little see, fierce. Yeah, see, a lot of times we don't think about Advent as this spiritual season to like wake up and enter in, but it's actually my favorite season, yeah. liturgical season. Now, I know you're probably like, well, Lent should be. What? What I say is, don't tell me what should no, be. No, I love Advent too. I'm with you, man. You know, I'm a big Advent fan. It's just because I love Advent doesn't mean I don't love Lent. I'm That's just right. saying, if I had to choose a season, and I would do that season and then die, I would mm-hmm. rather do Advent than die. So you want to die at the end of Advent? I would rather die at the end of Advent. That makes total sense. Than at the end of Lent. Mm-hmm. Now Easter's cool, but Lent. I'm just saying, like, I like both, but Advent's cool. And we don't often think about Advent. And I think it's this. Lent falls in this hibernation season where there's not a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. Sports are kind of like blah in in the February, yeah. March, right? There's nothing, no real big sports happening. Um, it, we're kind of coming out of winter. It's still cold. Um, yeah, it's just... You know, it's kind of a dead, dead season, which is Lent. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Advent's a very busy time. End of year, Q four, wrapping up work and business. Christmas is on the horizon. We're buying gifts. We're having parties. Advent is very easy to overlook, not mm-hmm. enter into, and before we know it, it's over because it's a shorter season. It's like three and a half weeks, you know, for the most part, right? Yeah, I think what you're describing. So I love the experience of like being off of work, let's say like one day, and I drive around town or I go do something where everybody else is working. There's just something exhilarating about like everyone else is working, but I get to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And Advent is kind of like what you're describing. It's like the whole world or society, the culture, our cities get very busy with a lot of things. Right. And then when Advent comes, as Christians, we can be so uh, focused on something else. Like we could be doing more meaningful things and uh it is exhilarating right to have like this uh experience of the deeper things of life and not get caught up in the crazy and the busy and the less important things of life that's right and lint doesn't offer the same thing you're right no there's no competition in lint no but you know if you would have told me when you started talking about the bear festival Mm -hmm. that we and hybrid and we got into hibernation that we would start talking about the liturgical seasons I would have never put that together, but well, that's why the Holy Spirit plans the show. People ask us, "Do y'all plan the show?" And the no. answer is yes, <laughs> by someone else. The Holy Spirit plans <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So, but this this idea of like spiritually hibernating is so true for all of us. I think mm-hmm. we can all relate. Like we do find ourselves at times in the year where we just feel blah, kind of dead, asleep, right? Yeah. And and we've talked about this before. Is that the beauty of the liturgical cycle and season is that it comes around every year to, mm-hmm. to wake us up, to re-engage us, you know, Advent, re-engaging us into the birth of Christ, right? This this real entering into it. 
Lent reengaging us into <clears throat> the mission, death, resurrection of Christ, right? And and then this Easter season. So, and then ordinary time, we kind of hit the ground. We're like, yay! And then boom, you know, it's like, oh, we're hibernating. Yeah. You know, St. Paul talks about that. Stay awake. Um, stay vigilant. This this spiritual warning throughout the New Testament to not do that. Even our Lord himself, stay awake, be vigilant. The Lord will come in an hour you do not know. And he's talking to disciples. Hmm. You know, we read the New Testament in such... A lot of times we forget, or I forget, that most of it is directed at disciples, not at pagans, not at atheists, not at people who don't know Jesus the vast majority of the New Testament letters and the Gospels themselves, our Lord is talking to those of us who are in, right? Like, we believe, Lord. It's like the warnings and the exhortations and the be on guards. It's Teach not, us, show us. Yeah. It's not It's not for other people. That's for me. Mm. And so, like, I will fall asleep. I will hibernate. I will be lulled into a pathetic Christian existence unless I stay on guard, like St. Paul says, like our Lord says. And... That's that's kind of the asceticism throughout the year, like not becoming a fat, comfortable bear Christian all year long keeps me from that hibernated state. And your book, Holy Grit, uh, has been awesome to reread again with these guys. We're doing a small group of about 22 guys at our parish, and it's awesome to see them come to that realization. It's like if I get too comfortable, not gritty enough as a Christian, mm-hmm. I just get lulled into sleep. I get lulled into a hibernated state. My man, my masculinity, my manhood becomes dormant, just like that fat bear. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's been great to see that part of them come alive. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is that Advent is here before we know it. it starts December third, and I like to be intentional ahead of time. Like, what am I going to do for Advent? You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we don't think about that because we get into Advent. It's a busy sort of holiday season culturally and then halfway through advent we look up and we're like oh we're in advent and mm-hmm. christmas is a week and a half away <laughs> yeah right so ahead of time start thinking as a man or a woman what do you want to do for advent maybe get a devotional right like do something specific and intentional for advent right so that's why i wrote the fierce devotional for men so that guys had something practical to do for advent okay here's what i'm going to do here's what i'm going to focus on and so it serves as a purpose, right? And it, it, it's awesome because what I learned so much about, you know, writing the devotional is that the first week focuses on God as shepherd, mm-hmm. this masculine, godly shepherd, that, that, that his character as a shepherd. And week two, we get more human as David as a shepherd. And, uh, he killed bears and lions and yeah, he did. You know things like that. Fat bears. Yeah, big bears. You know, and so it kind of looks through the lens of what what is a, a an imperfect man, but a godly man look like as a shepherd, like David. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the next week as Joseph as shepherd, mm. the shepherd of a family, his shepherd of a vocation, and looking through the lenses of this saint who is a shepherd. He he was a carpenter by trade, but a shepherder by a shepherd by vocation. So a fierce shepherd. Yeah. And then huh? The last week, mm-hmm. Jesus the good shepherd. Now, what you is see where I went there? What is what do you do this year because the fourth week of Advent mm-hmm. is like 6 hours long or 12 hours long. Yeah. You just, this year. You just go with it. Okay, do it all in the 12 hours. You just flow right into Christmas. Okay. 
<laughs> next year to do the the whole four week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, it yeah, it it yeah, it goes right in. Nice. It just works. It works. It just works. <laughs> Be fierce. Yeah. Uh Fred's okay. So listen, we have a hot box got sent <gasps> to us and we actually have two. But we're two gonna hot do hot boxes? Yeah, we're gonna do one this week and one next week. We're on back order of hot boxes. That's what I'm talking about. This is where this is where it gets great. That's what I'm talking about. So we're gonna come back with our hot box and a lot more. We'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Adam sort of, you know, I don't know, you're having a hard time at the break about this fat bear thing. You know, they're just kind of incidents that really, hey, how about that diet you were talking about going on? You know what I'm saying? I like, mean, could you lose a couple of pounds? Yes. Are you a fat bear? No. Let me just clarify <sighs> that. Okay? Thanks, Paul. Now, we could all all of us get in a little bit better shape. Okay? So, yeah. but you're not, if you were in a group of bears, I wouldn't look at you and say you're a fat bear. Thanks, bud. Yeah. But the doctor that I visit sometimes <laughs> disagrees. <laughs> According to him, I could. The problem is, is you move to St. Martinville. Mm -hmm. Okay. And St. Martinville is sort of like this Cajun capital of Acadiana. Mm -hmm. It right? is. I mean, it is like the, the joie de vie. It is the, the, it's the, the best. It is. I mean, sauce bon. I mean, it, the food, the culture. And so you probably just find yourself particularly as a deacon too, you know, just the food, the, 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 the culture, and you can get lost in it as a bear. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's a very bear friendly place. Cause one thing about bears is they will eat anything. Mm -hmm. They're not really particular. Mm, that's me. Okay. Yeah. But if you go back to the thing they like best fish. fish, it's a good, healthy, if I did that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Just think through the lenses of a bear. I need to self identify as a bear more. <laughs> And I'll be all right. Actually, I was thinking about you hibernating, like actually sleeping. <laughs> I would love it. And you seemed like you would be actually very peaceful. Dude. Like your countenance. When I go on yearly retreat, mm -hmm. I sleep a lot. I hibernate for like the first two days and then come out of that cave ready to pray. Right. That's that's my that's my <clears throat> jam. Okay. <laughs> so I have my pocket knife in hand. Me too. And um, there it is. You can hear it open. Right? There it is. Yep, because we have a hot box. Hot box! Hot box! All right, so we got a hot box. It got sent to us, and it says hot, and they drew a little fire on it. And <clears throat> this is hot box with two X's. Whoa. And it says too hot to handle. Oh, my goodness. Are yeah. you going to try to handle it? So I got my pocket knife. What do you think's in there? Oh, and it's taped in duct tape. Well, can we mention okay. who this is from? Yeah, I'm going to mention it because it's from Holly and Michael Carbo, who mm -hmm. Holly is my first cousin and 
Michael's my good friend. They married and we're friends with them and they sent a hot box. Okay. And God only knows what's in here. <laughs> now, Holly, I'm going to bring her into the studio one day. Okay. And she wants to do a six pack question. That's right. That, you talked about that. That's mm-hmm. great. She would be great at it, but she's been running from me. For that reason? Mm hmm. She that's wants shameful. to do it. Holly, she, that's shameful. She doesn't think I'm serious about her coming in. And if you know me. Yeah, you don't joke around with stuff like that. Not about six pack. No. I way. mean, that's pretty, you know, we're very serious. When it comes to your routine and the things you expect, to, you don't joke about that. I don't joke about the show. Mm-mm. I mean, we never. Never joke Okay, about so I got the, the duct tape. Okay, here's a. It says open first, and it's a <clears throat> a brown paper bag stapled. You get to open that. Oh wow! Okay, we really don't know. And this is this totally is. Holly. She's given instruction instructions yeah. about what to open first and what to open second. She would make a great six pack person. You need a knife. Well, it's got staples, but I'm a strong bear. Okay. All right. Let's see what we got here. Beano. Beano. For gas, bloating, and discomfort. Hmm. And I'll tell you why this is. So they started doing something at their house. They live. They moved here to Lafayette, which mm-hmm. has been amazing. And they do Red Beans Monday. Anybody can go over to their house. Or oh, they Mon- live in Lafayette Monday now. nights. Okay. Yeah. They have a big pot of red beans and cornbread, and and it's just like a community night. It's, nice. it's awesome. But I refuse to eat the red beans because. Well, now you have Beano. So now so I have you, Beano. You keep that. Extra strength, by the way, it says. And it does go with your story. Also in the bag, a bag of red beans. Nice. See, there it is. Now, beans are really healthy for you, by the way, as a bear. Um, Thanks. Okay. But you would probably need to do less rice, like carbs. Mm-hmm. Do more of the protein. Okay. Gotcha. It's like red beans on a steak. Or just beans and the sausage. Less rice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And then I guess Beano... And then this says open second. Okay, that makes sense. You ready? Yep. Okay. The hot box. We love these. Yeah, we have no idea what's happening, so it's all surprise. Just stuff. Oh, wow. These are pictures from high school. You're kidding. That Holly had with a magnifying glass so I can actually see them. Because your age? Very, very creative. That's a brand new magnifying glass. That's nice. Do you want to look at some of these? <laughs> oh, my word. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Look at you, Paul George. Mm-hmm. Do you see me in there? I do. Yeah. I was still tall back then. Did you dress like a cowboy? Yep. That was a skit I was in. Oh, my word. Paul with mm-hmm. the little goatee. Wow. Servant squad? Here's the thing, uh, Holly. Now that you sent those, you're not getting them back. I'm hiding them. Forever, so nobody can see him. Is that you and Paul Hood? This is me, Paul Hood, and uh, is that jo- is Paul Hood the one that looks like Meatloaf? Josh Blakesley. This is pretty silly. I can't believe they ever made us do this. So anyway, a blast from the past and Bino. So thanks for the hot box segment this week. These pictures are excellent. Michael we should put this on Holly uh, Carbo. Put that on your website okay. or something. If you want to uh, send in a hot box. Just go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Just find Delta Media here in Lafayette, mail it in, and uh, did you see that? Oh my word! <laughs> Sophomore year in high school. Or you may- look like your son. Maybe you look junior. a lot like your son. Uh, maybe junior year. I don't know. 
I got talked into doing a lot of things I didn't want to do. Apparently. But was <clears> that Paul Hood that looked like Meatloaf? Yes. Way to go, Paul Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like that? That's pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, um, okay. Well, Hotbox, there it is. There it is. I mean, it's always a surprise. It's interesting looking at old photos of yourself. Uh, I had that happen to me recently because it was, well, I'm 10 years younger than you, so it's my 20-year class reunion. It's your 30-year class reunion. Right. And uh, the um, some classmates posted some old pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting thinking about myself so long ago and the ideas I thought my life would be or like what was important to me and I don't know it just seems um like a breath like I take a deep breath and kind of take stock of my life um that seems important to do every like 10 years or something like you you advocate these um every so often maybe even annually retreats where you literally just look at your life from a big picture standpoint am I achieving the big goal of my life what is the mission of my life like what and uh, it just seems so important every now and then. Not in a depressing way, but like we really will die one day. Last week's show, you made that very clear. Mm-hmm. In 100 years, we'll all be dead. So, um, so to make sure your life is actually going the way that you want it to. Well, if you want to know where your life's going, listen to the last show. You're going <laughs> to die. That, that was That's basically the theme of the show. But um, yeah, you know, one of the things that, that I've done personally is develop my own personal mission statement Mm -hmm. and a lot of that comes through just writing things down and kind of revisiting it and it kind of in a sense changes you know Uh, like your vision statement is never changing okay I always say that even when I'm working with like organizations vision statement is something big and broad and and it's it's unchanging you know Um, my vision for my life is I want to I want to get to heaven Okay, so yeah. I'm never going to change my mind on that. That is that is the, and it's it's unreachable in this lifetime. But I'm moving towards that. Your mission statement is what you do every day that mm-hmm. gets you out of bed. You know, it, it it's what moves you forward, and it's and it's deeper than the purpose of work. Although you can find joy in work, uh, and purpose in work, your mission's got to be something that really moves you to live your life to the fullest, right? Not always and not perfectly. And your mission statement isn't something that you do perfectly. It's what you try to do and accomplish each day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've had different renditions and I keep kind of, but you know, I always say with mission statements is, you know, simple and repeatable and rememberable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that you always know your mission and you can talk about it, say it, and and, uh, you can repeat it, remember it, you never forget it. And then other people can remember it. <clears throat> but I've added a tagline, not a tagline, a second version to that from my recent retreat. Hmm. Yeah. So my mission has been very clearly to love God and serve others. So that's an action each day. That's my mission. And I added to that just something very simple. Love God, serve others, and die with no regrets. Hmm. Now, when you... Look at a mission statement like that. That's my personal mission statement. <clears throat> it's something that you are achieving to do. You don't have it all done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I say love God, am I doing that? And how am I not? I got to ask that question every day. Like, am I doing that well? Imperfectly? Where am I failing? Serve others. Well, did I do that well today? Did I not? Did I fail at that? I got to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. 
and then die with no regrets. Well, there are there things in my life that I regret? Yeah. Do there are people I need to apologize to or reconcile with? Yeah. Like I want to die with no regrets. So that requires me to an action, right? To live my life to the fullest each day. Some days I have regrets that I didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that's the mission, you know, and I think for all of us, we desire to have a sense of mission and purpose in our life that goes deeper than the paycheck we earn or the vehicle or the house we live in or, you know, um, it, it's got to be something that, that that's God-given in our heart that that's there that we need to pull out of ourselves. Yeah, I remember when you shared these ideas with me a few years ago and then I, I did the thing you recommend, so I, I gave myself a little retreat, um, worked on this personal vision and mission statement. It was very clarifying for me. And in that time, I I realized how this is really how the saints live their life. And my favorite saint after the Blessed Virgin Mary is, of course, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. But, I mean, this was her, hmm. big time. Like, her vision was to quench the thirst of Jesus, right? Like that, But it was given to her by God. And like you mentioned that, like, God puts this in your, in your heart and you got to discern it but to quench the thirst of Jesus. And her mission was, uh, well, the thirst of Jesus for souls. And her mission was to bring the poorest of the poor to him. And it changed according to what the particular circumstances were that she needed to do that in, whether in India or in North America. But this idea that she's going to find the poorest of the poor and bring them to the foot of Jesus, like to quench his thirst for souls with the poor souls that he loves. And um, that's just one example, but the the saints all have that reality of like a specific vision of the same gospel you and I all receive, but God puts on their heart a very vocational, specific mission and vision within that gospel. And if we don't know what that is, how could we become the saints God calling us to be? And it seems like all the saints, blessed Carlo Acutis, who uh, his... um, memorial was this week at 15 years old he realized it he was like my life's mission is this he was speaking that language and uh he uh he didn't waste a minute of it he said i have no fear of dying you talking about dying with no regrets he said i have no fear of dying because i haven't wasted a minute on myself but have given all to god Hmm. that's amazing i mean how do you have that at such a young age right intentionally And, and this is what i say like when I help people develop their mission statement, either for their company or personally, or when I look at it is the mission is already inside you. You just need to pull it out, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's God given, God has given you. Now that could be clouded and jaded because maybe you're just not living very well right now. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe you're, you're anxious and bitter and you know, you have a lot going on, but like when you peel back all those layers, even God has given you a mission, something that, that, he wants you to live and have a purpose for, uh, you know, within your vocation and, and within your life, you know, um, you can't take anything with you right? when it's all over. So, I mean, we do talk about death a lot on the show. It's fascinating. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, but as you were talking, this is a very fascinating box. It says, take Bino before... <laughs> And there'll be no gas. Okay. Straight up. Straight up. It it says You don't have to wonder what that does. Yeah. And then it gives you pictures. Bino before food, take, stops gas before it starts. Wow. 
prevents gas, bloating, and discomfort. Hmm. And uh, it, but here it gives you the science in a picture. It says breaks down complex carbs found in many foods. So that's what it does. Yeah. So what's the beano of the spiritual life? Because I, I definitely have encountered and experienced spiritual <laughs> indigestion. It happens. I think people are, you know, division mm-hmm. in the church. I think uh, you're right. Vision, like clarity of vision and mission does prevent gas before it starts. It really does because you don't focus, you're not focused on, or when you get so like um, hyper-focused on all the negatives or the hard things, your vision and mission brings you out of that and gives you clarity on what you're, why you're living. Yeah, I'll give you a concrete example. So in prayer, and I've had moments in my life where like I had lack of clarity of mission and vision when I pray. So I just kind of, you know, let me read like the whole Bible at once. Let me uh, do it all. Let me do all the prayers. And there's a lot of spiritual indigestion that comes with that, with like this unclear, unfocused prayer activity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to connect with the Lord. I'm trying to do this. And since I don't know what I'm doing or how or what I ought to be doing, I'll just kind of do whatever. Well, I can't digest any of that grace. It wasn't until I started to discern more clearly how does God want me to be praying? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the the methods? What are the um, what does He want me to be doing with Him every day? Where I became more focused and from Him, not my ideas, but His ideas. Right. Now I can actually digest the grace He wants to give me. Hmm. I mean. A, a concrete example right now for me is, is visiting the Blessed Sacrament regularly. You know, that's the way he wants me to pray with him often. And when I pray that way, in that focused way, just simple, just come see me in the Blessed Sacrament, I'm able to digest his will, his His grace, uh, what he wants me to do that day. And there's a million things I could be doing, but he wants me to do that. You know, like that's that's the vision, that's the bino, to not get spiritual indigestion. Hmm. Wow. Have you had spiritual indigestion? You're starting to pull a me. Like what you mean? just tying everything in. Well, that's the clarity of vision, Paul. <clears throat> you see it everywhere. <laughs> it, might, <laughs> it might be time for you to hibernate. Go to sleep for a little while, Adam. Your mind is <laughs> <laughs> Have you had spiritual indigestion? All the time. Okay. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Discomfort. Let's call it that. <laughs> that's what it says on the box. Get a little bloated. It relieves discomfort, <laughs> prevents bloating and discomfort. <laughs> I mean, sometimes discomfort's good, though, to be uncomfortable. Spiritually, yeah. You know? But, yeah, sometimes, you know, we bring on discomfort ourselves. And that's what happens when you eat beans. You're, you're bringing on the discomfort <laughs> yourself. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I'm kind of making it happen. So, anyway, um, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. 
welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. What an interesting show today. So thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio. Uh, Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. We're so sorry if we've caused any discomfort. discomfort. <laughs> what I was reading on here on the break, like this is fascinating to me because I don't spend time doing things like this, uh, is that there are 100 tablets, Beano tablets in this in this thing. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that that is it's like almost two years of Mondays. Yeah, if they if they do Mondays every every Monday, there's Red Bean Monday. Mm-hmm. That's that's two years of Mondays. I have. Yep. Right here. Right there. What a gift. <laughs> I mean, what a gift! They just <laughs> gifted me two years of Mondays. Yep. That is that is fascinating. So anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a part of it and listening to it. And i um, super glad that you're here today with us, and it's good to be back. Okay, um, we need to get to our weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. That's weird. It's so weird. Why do you Catholics do that? <clears throat> I had enough of you weird Catholics. Weird Catholic stuff. Um, what do you got today, so man? So this week we're going to celebrate uh, the Feast of the North American Martyrs, St. Isaac Jogues, John de Brebeuf, and Companions. So these are Jesuits and um, laity that were martyred in North America, in Canada, um, in the 1600s. And they're really the first martyrs in North America for the faith. They are. so The first martyrs in North America. And kind of the only still. It's kind of remarkable. Well, Mexico had some martyrs for sure. But okay. In America, at least, there's there's a surprising lack of martyrdom. Really? So maybe it's coming. But anyway, so yeah, Saint Isaac Jogues, John de Brebeuf, um, they came to the New World in 1636. Their eyes arrived in Quebec or Quebec, if you want to say it like they say it. It's French. Quebec. It's French. Um, and the Horan tribe in the New World, they were coming to evangelize them specifically. I don't know how that works. Like, maybe they learned their language and specialized in their language. So like, okay, we're going... But that 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 was the mission. So their mission statement at that point, we're going to evangelize the Hurons, okay? Okay. Well, the thing was, uh, they were constantly fighting with the Iroquois. All right? And the Iroquois... So, so the Hurons liked... St. Isaac Jogues and John de, de Brebeuf. They were fans. They were starting, it was, it was working. They were becoming Catholic. In fact, eventually, St. Kateri Tekakwitha was from that tribe. Was from that tribe. And her father knew St. Isaac Jogues. Okay, gotcha. And was converted by him. Okay, I see the tie in here. Yes. Okay. Well, the Iroquois were not fans of the Hur- Hurons or St. Isaac Jogues. So they captured Father Jogues and imprisoned him for 13 months. Wow. Now, this is where it kind of gets weird, the things they did to him, but then how he responded. So in those 13 years, he was tortured, beaten, and mangled, including severe distreatment of his hands. They, They ripped off his fingernails. They, like, did terrible things to his hands. Yeah, but what if that was, like, the original, like, manicure? Hmm... It was more like mana disease, so they didn't cure anything. Well, I mean, like, okay, so have you ever had a fingernail or toenail ripped off? Not ripped off, or but... Or fallen off? Yeah, fallen off. Like, like I've smashed it with a hammer, and then, yeah. It grows back. 
It does. And and it grows back better than it was before. Is it better? I mean, it grows back. I mean, it's like fresh. It's like a fresh nail. I'm wondering if this was like the original manicure or no. So we're just misreading history and they're actually trying to take care of him? <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was bad. It was torture. Yeah. Okay. So bad were his hands. I'm trying to find the silver lining. So he he escaped with his life. Oh, he did. All right. But he actually, so he, he lost several fingers that had been cut or chewed or burnt off. So he only had a few fingers left. Escaped with his life, though, went back to Europe. And he went visit Pope Urban VIII. And he asked permission to offer Mass with his mutilated hands. Because the, the rubrics for Mass, you have to do certain things, well, in the traditional Mass, you have to do certain things with certain fingers when holding the Eucharist or saying certain prayers. Like, you have to do certain things that he couldn't do now. The liturgical digits. Yes. Right? That's right. You have to have these liturgical digits, these five, ten phalanges working together. Exactly. In very specific ways. Right. Well, he couldn't do it because wow. he didn't have so many fingers. He lost his, some of his digits. I'm not laughing. It's just kind of funny. It's a tough situation. Yeah. And your face. Like, if people could see <laughs> Adam. See, here's the thing with Adam. He can talk very seriously, but his face smiles without him smiling. Okay, keep yeah. going. So so he asked for permission to be able to offer Mass with his mutilated hands. And uh, he told the Pope, he said, it would be shameful that a martyr of Christ not be allowed to drink the blood of Christ. Hmm. And so he was making his case that, like, I got these because of Christ and my love for him. And it would be shameful that now I can't say Mass. That would be. So he made a good point. So they, uh, he gave him permission. He can celebrate Mass with his mutilated hands. As soon as he got healed up enough to travel again, he came back. He went back. He came back. And he was captured again, but not by the Iroquois this time, by the Mohawks, who also hated the Hurons. Wow. And on October 18th, which is the day we celebrate his uh, uh, feast day, he was tomahawked and beheaded. Wow, it sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. So, and then John de Brebeuf was boiled in oil. One of his companions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, anyway, so this, this is a weird Catholic thing we do where, like, first of all, it's kind of weird that there's so specific rules for, for rituals. We get fussed at this for a long time. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've had this complaint from non-Catholics in particular, like all the standing and the sitting and the, like, that's, that's the Lord doesn't want all that. But the reality is the very specific but well, there's meaning worship. behind it. There's it's meaning. not just like, hey, do this, this, and this. There's there's meaning behind it. If you exactly. understand the meaning, then you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Just like understanding anything, why something does or works, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times people make judgments, and we do this all the time, without context. Mm-hmm. We make judgments and say things without understanding and the meaning. You know, I always say, like, find out all the information before you just start spouting out. That's true. The find out before out. you spout out, right? Mm-hmm. Like understand it. Find out the information. Like like really kind of, if not, like just shut up, you know? Like don't say anything. That like, could have happened to Father Jokes. Like he could have been celebrating Mass with his like three fingers. Yeah. And somebody be at Mass would be like, uh-uh. He ain't doing it right. He He's ain't not doing supposed it right. to be, uh-uh. He doesn't have all of the liturgical digits <laughs> in formation. And he's like, I don't even have them all. <laughs> yeah. They got taken. What you want me to do? Yeah. And Now, I know... 
our show mom, you mm-hmm. know, your your show mom mm-hmm. and mine is walking, listening to the podcast, and she's not excited about this segment. She's not enjoying it? Mm-mm. She does not like when we talk about <clears throat> all this gross stuff. But this is a true story. So, like, we have to always stick to the truth. Okay, so these were real men who sacrificed their lives for Christ to come to North America. Yeah, it really happened. To bring Christ to, you know, the natives Mm -hmm. and bring hope to the new world. Mm -hmm. And they got got martyred for it. And so on October 18th, we actually celebrate them because of the heroic life that they lived. That's right. Right? So without doing anything heroic... What's our life about? So what's your mission? Let's go back to that. Yeah. Like, as you're listening to the show today, like, I want you to consider maybe sitting down very simply with a tablet or sheet of paper or journal and just writing down words or phrases or meanings that are in your heart about your specific mission. Right? Mm -hmm. Because... Isaac Job, without knowing his mission, would have never come to America. That's right. And he certainly would have never come back to mm-hmm. America. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, and you're totally right that that's the dangerous risk of actually knowing your mission is that there's a good chance you're going to have to die for it. Well, when you know your mission, then you, you, you your, your, your vision is set on, on what you do, and then you don't negotiate That's right. what your life is about. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about missions is because I can get sidetracked, but my mission helps me not negotiate. This is who I am. This is what I want to be about. And, and that's extremely important because if not, we can just live as chameleons. We can just blend in everywhere and anywhere, and, and that doesn't really help us, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, do that, and <clears throat> that would be great. Okay, I don't want to forget about this. We got to do a six-pack of questions. Question. <laughs> that was nice, Paul. Your face laughs before you laugh. I mean, you, you got to see Adam. He's got this, <laughs> his eyes get squinty. Yeah. And even if you don't hear him laughing, you can tell he's thinking something very <laughs> mischievous. Question number one. Oh, yeah. So we began, uh, you mentioned your devotional, Fierce, yeah. is out, mm-hmm. ready to roll. Yeah. So my question number one is, will you be using your own Advent devotional this year? The question, the answer to that question is yes, because I forgot what I wrote because mm-hmm. it was so long ago, right? Because by the time you publish a book and it gets out, you're like, oh, what did I write? So I'm going to do the daily reflections just like anyone else. Like, oh, yeah. Because there's plan. scriptures with it and yeah. reflection and, you know, question. Yeah, yeah. And I can't wait. <laughs> That's a good answer. And I'm going to, just like everyone, would be like, oh, yeah, I can't, I, I don't remember writing that. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, so from the hot box from, um, what was, what was your cousin's name again? Holly. Holly. Yeah. From Holly included in it were these many pictures from young Paul. And, uh. Yeah. I mean, she and I, you know, we actually graduated together high school. Like we oh, okay. were good friends and, and, you know, obviously grew up together cause we're, were first cousins, and so she probably has pictures that go way further back than these, but these are kind of like high school days, mm-hmm. which is hysterical. So in one of those pictures, you're wearing a polo shirt, mm-hmm. and 
an emblem says servant squad. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds me of the mission you just talked about, like you're going to love God and serve others. Right. So what was this servant squad? It was sort of, it was a youth group, and that was the name of it. So okay. like, it'd be like, you know, if you had a Life Teen shirt or, you know. A, but centered on service. Yeah. So like the service yeah. thing has kind of always been there in your heart, huh? I don't know. I mean. Did I, you come up with the name? No, I didn't come up with the name. Oh, okay. But I mean, it's just the name. It's good, servant squad. It's just the name. Like our the crew we serve. Jesus, I don't know. I think it's more than just name, Paul, because when you were talking about your mission is to love God and serve others, mm-hmm. and I see you with a shirt that says servant squad, yeah. I think the Lord... Well, it all started. Yeah. All started there. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yep. good stuff. Yeah. All right, question number three. Uh, we talked about spiritual hibernation and, and fat bear spirituality syndrome, that kind of thing. Um, but you, over the past couple years, have kind of had a personal renewal, but you've been helping renew the church in this like g- gritty masculinity. So like these men's retreats you've been putting on, these uh, adventure retreats, mm-hmm. and the Holy Grit Men Group in the book. Um, it seems like you've been convicted that gritty manhood is essential to to keep us awake like this. It's not optional for a man. Like there's no comfortable male Christian. Um, tell me about this kind of like, journey in your own life with your own experience of this holy grittiness mm. for the past as few I, years. As I hold a knife in my hand. You are. It's very intimidating. It's and good. It well, You know, when you were part of the grit group, you got a knife. I have it in my pocket. And it says holy grit. So, well, I, I think, you know, men, men are made uniquely as men and women are made uniquely. And we, when we're, we live out that mission uniquely, as men and women, we find our real purpose. I think culturally, you know, men often feel more alone in that mission. Um, maybe they feel more attacked or, or less empowered, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, missionally. And so my hope is just to like re-engage men into a calling on, on who they're made to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just link arms with other men so that we can live great missions. Because in a hundred years, we're all going to be dead. <laughs> Everyone on this planet, Adam. Pretty unique situation. Not many people can say that. It's true. You know, there could be aliens on other planets who are like, that's not us. <laughs> but that planet, yeah. Everyone dies in a hundred years. Everyone dies. Wow. Hmm. All right, question number four. Four. So we talked about a spiritual indigestion and, and Bino um, and how vision, a clarity of vision helps like direct the soul, keeps it from discomfort and bloating. Um, so how do we, how do we go about formulating an accurate vision, vision and mission statement? Because I can see someone listening to this podcast and be like, all right, when I get home, I'm writing a personal mission statement. Yeah. What do we need to know to keep us from just... Uh, from doing that well, like if we want to do that, like what does that look like to do it well? Well, it kind of just starts with brainstorming, which might be mean a lot of words. So write a lot of words down on in your journal that are about you, your core values, your, what you love, what you want to be about. Maybe maybe even write a long paragraph. You know, here's my life. Here's what I want the meaning of my life, and then go back and then you kind of shorten it or underline real key words in there, and then. 
you know, start crafting it into maybe two sentences and then down to like one sentence and then down to like a statement, you know, so kind of work backwards that way, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, that's how I do it, you know, so like put it all down, what's on your heart and then begin to kind of funnel it into something that's more simple. Nice. Question number five, you said Advent is your favorite season. And then you describe that in in the fierce devotional, you're focusing on the shepherd. Yeah. This idea of God the shepherd, David the shepherd, Joseph the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the fourth week? Jesus. Jesus the shepherd. Oh, uh-huh. my word. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's some good shepherds. Yeah, the word. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my question is, have you ever actually shepherded an animal? Shepherded an animal? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and have you? Well, first of all, let's get that question out of the way. Have you? No, I mean, I've been around animals. Like sheep. Um, and then one of the things I loved as a child was going out to my grandfather's farm. He had horses and cows and chickens and turkeys and guineas and just every animal you could imagine. Perfect. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Does it seem essential to a man to know how to interact with animals in a shepherdy type way? Like to actually It's very instinctual. Yeah. It's very instinctual. And I, and I wish... And sometimes I dream about being on a farm like that, but you know, my, my grandfather wasn't a man of many words or any, but he, he talked to animals better than he did humans. It seemed like hmm. he had a very instinctual way of, you know, caring for them. So I think it started in the DNA and, and my whole point of the journal is like, it's part of our DNA is man to shepherd people mm. and our family, you know, in a very unique way. Right. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. All right. Question number six. So we talked about uh, Saint Isaac Jogues, John de Brebeuf, and companions, and uh, their martyrdom on mission here in North America. That's right. Um. So my last question is: Have you ever received some kind of like physical issue? So his hands were like mutilated and fingers cut off mm-hmm. and stuff. Have you ever experienced some kind of like physical discomfort? <laughs> or bloating? No, um, or bloating. Some kind of like suffering like that while on mission. Like, did you hurt yourself or get hurt? <laughs> That's. I mean, I've been hurt before. I've had multiple like surgeries on like knee and shoulder. Because you're on mission, but not because I was on mission. No, really, Mm-mm. nothing. Like you never fell off a stage, or no, threatened to get beat up. Mm. Did people get angry with you? <clears throat> Um, I mean, I could neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> Never someone in the crowd, no. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I would say that the hardest part there were yeah that there was times of such great exhaustion from from um or getting sick. Yeah, during like travel, and you really, you know, you you're there to serve, and so I remember like either sleeping behind stage or like throwing up, you know, that's awesome. Um, and then going back out on the stage to either give a talk or like do something. And then just going like, back. just like St. Isaac jokes, you went and, back and just like, Lord, like just help me to, to do the next thing and then come back and, you know, just, you know, embrace the sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. happened multiple times. Wow. But I mean, you know, when I compare it to having your fingers ripped off or <laughs> your fingernails or... Well, that's with all the saints, though. When we compare ourselves to the saints, it's... Being mohawked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Chopped. Beheaded. 
you know, it's pretty, yeah, you know, throwing up is, you know, or having discomfort, you know, so, you know, but we got two years of Mondays, Adam. Right two years. Here. No excuses two now. years. You're at Holly's on Monday. Of Red Bean Monday. I mean, who could have thought? What a great show. Thanks for the hot box. Um, that was fun. Um, we already have one for next week, so we need mm-hmm. one for the, for the rest. You know, I can't wait to to get to it. And uh, thanks for listening to the show on the podcast, the radio, being a part of it. I uh, really appreciate it. And we will be back next week. God bless. <laughs>